Today is the second day of Advent, which means today we light the second candle. One of them. Give me the candle. Jesus, come on, work with me. There we go. No, it's the Christ candle. That's, it was an inside joke. Some of y'all didn't catch that. <coughs> All right. As we light the second candle of Advent, the candle of faith is what we're talking about today. That second candle that we light represents the faith of Mary and Joseph. And today we look at their story. We look at the faith that it took to go from an angel's announcement to a baby in Bethlehem. And that is where we're going to start today. If you'll do me a favor, open up your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke chapter 1. The Gospel of Luke chapter 1. That's going to be on the screen, but I'm all about us practicing opening up our Bibles and remembering where things are, even if your Bible is electronic. Amen? The Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. If you would please stand in honor of the reading of the Word of the Lord. <clears throat> As we celebrate what Luke penned, we'll be in uh, verse 26 through 38. And it says this, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. To a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. And she was greatly troubled at this statement and kept pondering, What kind of salutation might this be? And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, Um... How can this be, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and will overshadow you. And for that, the reason the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative, Elizabeth, has also conceived a son in her old age. And she was called barren, but now is in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, be it done to me according to your word. And the angel departed with her. Amen. Be seated. <clears throat> I love this passage of scripture. It's actually one of my favorite parts of the New Testament. Um, there's just a lot of great stuff that happens in those 12 verses. But as I was praying over the story and I was praying over the scripture and I was like, all right, Lord, what, what's today? What, what about today do we want to talk about? Like, what's the point of today? And I felt like he highlighted three verses to kind of focus on because there's a nugget of truth 
that I felt like he wanted us to look at today and focus on. And the first one is verse 28, if you look at that one. And coming in, he said to her, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. And then when we look at verse 30, he he reiterates that. He says, and the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And that was the first thing that just kind of stuck out to me. It's like God highlighted it. This teenage girl that might have been anywhere from 12 to 16 years old found favor with God? That's incredible. But why? Why Why did Mary find favor with the Lord? We, We don't know about her parents. We don't know about her upbringing. We don't know about her education. We don't know about her personality. We don't know anything about her other than one thing, Melissa. One thing. Mary had faith. Mary found favor with the Lord because Mary had faith in the Lord. And I got to thinking about that. And I was like, okay, is is that a biblical principle though? Is that that something that we see through scripture? (laughs) And then the Lord took me to Hebrews 11.6. Just to answer it. Just to answer my question. And without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that God is. And he is a rewarder of those who seek him. I was like, all right, Jesus, case closed. I love that. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. You see, faith, faith was Mary's foundation. That is why Mary found favor with the Lord. I love that. The next verse, if y'all will flip to verse 34. The next verse, 34, it says, And Mary said to the angel, Um, how can this be? (laughs) For I'm a virgin. Literally it says, For I have known no man. I can totally picture this in my head, and y'all know my head's a little skewed as it is. This angel, which is nothing like the artwork that we have today. Angels were massive, they're glorious, they shed light. Every time a human being encounters an angel in Scripture, the angel always has to say, "Mm, don't be afraid, it's okay. I'm on your side, calm down. Like, calm down. I love that. So Mary's like, angel, Gabriel's, you know, okay. What do you want? Well, you found favor with God, huh? Oh, and and by the way, you're going to have a baby. I work with teenagers for a living. I can picture how this is going in my head. (coughs) Mary's like, I'm sorry, what? I love... Mary asked for clarification. I love that, James. She didn't say, "Uh uh-uh, that can't happen with me, did she? She didn't have doubt. She didn't have lack of faith, did she? Did she, Jen? She just was like, okay, my baby box is still in the cellophane. 
like, how is this going to happen? But, I, but catch it though, I love Ryan that she didn't say this can't happen, did she? She didn't tell God no right away, did she? She just asked a simple question. <clears throat> because she had faith in the Lord, she knew that she could have trust in the Lord. How? And then the angel, through God's grace, was able to go, well, the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you and the power of the Most High will make it happen. Don't worry, we got this. Just trust. And Mary was like, oh, I'm trusting. I have no idea on how you're going to do it, but I'm trusting. That's beautiful. And then the last verse that popped out at me, <laughs> the last verse that popped out at me is verse 38. Because see, Faith was Mary's foundation and trust was Mary's motivation. Let's look at verse 38. D-Money, I love this verse. It is so just, there you go. And Mary said, behold, the bond slave of the Lord, be it done to me according to your word. The angel departed from her. Teenage girl, angel shows up. Because she knows her God and she trusts him. She's like, cool, let's roll. I don't know how you're going to do this. <laughs> I don't know how you're going to accomplish this. You even told me, and I'm sure that Mary was like, how overshadow, like a blanket? Like, what? But she didn't go there, did she? She was like, oh, God's going to, okay, cool, let's go. I love the simplicity of a teenage girl's answer that she just finds out she's going to have the Messiah. I love that. You see, Mary's faith was her foundation. Mary's trust was her motivation. But Mary's obedience was her action. That is glorious. And as I'm thinking about this and I'm just reveling in it, you know, I thought about Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. You know, after the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you and the power of the Most High, and Mary's like, oh, okay. I wonder if she thought about Proverbs 3 because she would have known it. She would have been taught that. Her father would have taught that to her, her grandfather. That's a pretty, that's a pretty elementary one. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him. And He will make your path straight. I love that it says He'll make your path straight. What does He want? All your trust. I'm sure Mary was taught that. I, 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 I know she would have been. You, know, you want to know, David, how I know that she knew that scripture? She lived it in that moment. We see her trusting in the Lord with all her heart and not leaning on her own understanding. How does a virgin become pregnant? Medically, it's impossible, isn't it, Jen? She's a professional nurse. She knows these things. <laughs> She's my resident medical expert. She said, no, can't happen. It's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. 
And then when I think about her obedience was her action, I think about John 14, 15. (laughs) Jesus tells us, he says, look, if you love me, obey me. You want to talk about a sobering mic drop scripture. That one right there will cut you at the knees, won't it? In a most glorious way, won't it, Cheryl? Because Jesus is, he's like, hey, it's simple. Do you love me? Oh, you do? Good. Obey me. I've heard some preachers preach the reverse is also true. If you're not obeying him, you're not loving him. Interesting. But I love that Mary was like, she wasn't just having faith in a distant God that she just read in the pages and the scrolls of the Old Testament. She said, she said yes in obedience to a God that she trusted because she knows intimately. A God that she has faith in. And as I was looking at this, as I was looking at Mary's beautiful narrative, I thought to myself, what a better picture, Terry, of the Christian life. Faith, trust, and obedience, right? You want to sum up what we do? Faith, trust, and obedience. (laughs) All right, my OGs, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. Sing it with me. Than to. I heard that. Y'all sounded good. Josh, we need to start a choir. (laughs) But there's truth in that song, isn't there, Travis? There is no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Not just to trust. Trusting without obeying is shallow faith. Obeying without trusting is legalism. You know, I mean, that was the Pharisees, wasn't it, Melissa? I mean, they they obeyed to the end. They far better obeyed than any of us. But they didn't trust. It was religion to them, wasn't it, Ryan? That's why Jesus said, unless your righteousness is is better than them, you won't enter into the kingdom of God. Because Jesus is sitting there going, hey, I'm trying to offer you my righteousness, not your own. That's the whole whole point. And so if faith comes first and then trust and then obedience, and faith and trust and obedience, faith and trust and obedience. I feel like sometimes the church has dropped the ball on preaching obedience to Christ. Because a lot of us grew up in a very legalistic system of a church where you were supposed to dress the right way and sound the right way and worship the right way, right, sister? We talked about it in equipment class today. (laughs) And that's not what Jesus is asking. Jesus is never asking us to obey man's rules. He's asking us to obey his rules because man's rules should, should line up to his rules if they're to be obeyed. I just, I love that though. Let's, let's think about it. Let's analyze my, my statement that I'm offering to you that faith and trust then obedience. Let's look at it. Let's look at Romans 10, 8 through 10. If you confess with your mouth, <coughs> um, verse 8. Oh, okay, you already, okay, it's in the middle of it. They started early. We'll, we'll go there. But what does it say? 
The word is near you and in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. So this is Paul preaching to the Romans. He's telling you like the words that I'm preaching to you, okay? That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart a person believes resulting in righteousness and with the mouth he confesses resulting in salvation. (laughs) And you go, amen, yes, praise Jesus. Hold on. You see, Jack, this was written 2,000 years ago, wasn't it? In a culture that is different from ours, right? So we need to make sure that we understand what Paul was saying when he said, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Because it is not the flippant, wishy-washy way that we tell people today we believe in something. You see, (laughs) I I love when it says, believe in your heart. God raised him from the dead. That is absolutely going along with what I said about Mary. You see, faith is not just knowledge, is it? (laughs) I don't care how much scripture you know, you'll still burn in hell if Jesus isn't your savior. And you go, really? Sure. Satan knows more scripture than we do. That doesn't mean he's going to heaven. Because faith is not about just knowledge. And faith isn't even just about action with your knowledge. Bless you. Let's look at, you don't have to turn there if you don't want to, but if you want to, James chapter 2, verse 19. You believe that God is one. James 2, 19. You believe that God is one. You do well. Um, The demons also believe and shudder. (coughs) That's a beautiful scripture. That James penned to say, hey, knowledge doesn't get you there. Knowledge and action doesn't get you there. Because the demons have knowledge and action. (laughs) And you say, then what am I missing about faith? Allegiance. Allegiance is part of faith. And I don't mean I pledge allegiance to the... I'm not talking that. You see, allegiance means your loyalty. Your loyalty is for the king. That means come what may, the king gets what he wants, even if you sacrifice what you need. The king takes care of you. But you also know who the king is. Mary knew who her God was. That he is all-powerful, all-present, all-loving, all-knowing, those things we talked about this morning. (laughs) Mary could submit to her God through obedience because she had faith in who he was. I wonder when we see brothers and sisters in Christ choosing their own will and their own way and their own theology and twisting scriptures, (laughs) I wonder if they even know him. See, faith is knowing and believing and your allegiance is lined up to Him. When we tell someone, believe in your heart that Jesus is who the Bible says He is, we're not just saying no good Christology. Have Almighty God, born of a virgin, completely sinless, died on the cross, imminent return. There's more than just reciting 
facts about him. Satan knows the facts. What's more than that? Allegiance. The king of glory is either your king or he is not, right? There is no other option. There's not a middle ground, is there? <laughs> and so when we look at trust, when we look at trust, I think of Jeremiah 17, it'll be up here on the, sc on the screen. Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. And whose trust is the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water. That extends its root, roots by a stream. And will not go and will not fear when the heat comes. But its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious. In a year of drought. Nor cease to yield fruit. If you think he's only talking about a tree, you missed it. You know him, and then you start to get to know him more and more and more and more, and you start to fall in love with him. <laughs> and it's easy to trust him. Ask my daughter. It's easy to trust a dad that you love, right? It's not easy to trust somebody that you don't know. That's why most people will not trust him. They don't know him. And you say, but I serve the Lord. Of course I trust him. Don't forget what Matthew 7, Matthew 7 or Matthew 5. I can't remember. When that person comes up and... No, no not that one. Back up. Not that scripture. You're, you're good. So it's Matthew 7. <laughs> Thank you. You helped me. Thank you for the clarification, Don. Mwah, love you. <laughs> Matthew 7, Jesus is saying in the end days, there's going to be some people that walk up to him and go, Lord, I professed in your, I mean, I, I prophesied in your name. I had miracles in your name. I did these things in your name. And Jesus' answer has scared me for 41 years. Depart from me. I don't know you. That means that there are people that are sitting in this room and sitting in Southern Hills room and First Baptist and First Methodist. There are people all across this world that right now, they are in a church. <laughs> and Jesus is going to look at them and say, I don't know you. Because it's more than just serving. It's more than just knowing. It's allegiance that leads to trust, that leads to obedience. When we look at verse uh, at Ma uh, Matthew 5, 16 and 17, go throw, throw it up there. <laughs> I love this passage. Jesus said, let your light shine before men. Let your light shine before men. That does not say, go and be a Christian at work, but nobody knows. Teenagers, that does not say, go to school and let nobody know that you love Jesus. <laughs> that does not say, be the only family member in your family that doesn't know Jesus. I mean, that knows Jesus and doesn't say anything to those who don't know him. 
It doesn't say be a lamp, does it, Ray Ray? It says turn the lamp on and let it shine. If you haven't told someone about Jesus in the last year, your light is not shining. I don't care how much you're serving in this church. I'm going to put it on the line. <laughs> now, if you're, if, you're, if you're teaching up here with the children or the youth or the, the adults or life group, fine. I'll let that count. That's fine. Because you, you are leading people to Jesus. I get that. But, but let's be real honest. Like, <laughs> Why don't we strike up a conversation with the person behind us in the, in the grocery line? Why don't we pay for the people that are behind us in the fast food line and ask the lady, hey, give them a note that says somebody at South Point loves them. <laughs> we, we've got to be able to shine our light. Now, that does not mean you have to walk up to people and go, do you know Jesus? If you don't, you're going to burn in hell. No. I'm going to say that for the record. That does not mean war tactic evangelism. Except him. No. No. <laughs> No, <laughs> but if you're not showing the God that loves you in your daily life, what's the point? It'd be one thing if he's like, okay, for every person that you, that you witness, you know, you're going to gain 50 pounds. I understand if we'd be a little lenient on that, but salvation is free. Evangelism is free. <laughs> Like, write a letter. If, if you have a family member that doesn't know Jesus and you don't want, to, you don't want to, um, to have an awkward confrontation and a holiday, write a letter. At work, start a Bible study. Arrive 30 minutes before work. Let your light shine. Like, people should know that you're a Jesus follower. If they don't, there's an issue. I'm not saying you're not saved. It's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there is an issue though because we haven't gotten to the obedience aspect. He says, let your light shine before all men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Love, charity, service, prayer. I say it again, if you are the parent of a child in a public school system and you have not emailed your teachers your kids' teachers yet, and ask, how can you pray for them? Pick up the ball and run with it. You have no idea right now how difficult it is for teachers in the classroom. Worse now than it has been in 10 years. Worst year I've ever taught in school, and it has nothing to do with, oh my gosh, the kids are so bad. No, it's not it. We need encouragement and I'm talking about the ones of us that know Jesus, right, Chris? Like the ones that know Jesus, we need encouragement. Let alone the people that don't have Jesus as their hope and salvation. I can't imagine how they, oh my God. Oh. I can't, I gotta go back to the sermon. I can't even focus on that. <laughs> but how are we gonna let our light shine? <laughs> military, one of the hardest places. I've heard testimony after testimony after testimony. Military is one of the hardest places to let your light shine for Jesus. I've heard many, many, many servicemen and women say that. But we got to do it, right? That's it. That's it. We got to let our light shine. And don't forget what Jesus says in John 14, 15. 
If you love me, keep my commandments. <laughs> this is not... This is not to get people to feel guilty. I don't care about guilt, and neither does Jesus. Satan loves guilt. The Lord uses conviction. What I want us to realize is if Mary's faith was her foundation, and her trust was her motivation, and her obedience was her action, are we doing the same thing? Is our faith our foundation? Because if it is not, there is nothing else you have to worry about. And if trust is not your motivation for all the things that you do, trust in the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord. <clears throat> you can sign up for email alerts that will send you a scripture when you get to work. It's the first thing that you read. You can write them on index cards. Dry erase markers on windows and mirrors. Go to Hobby Lobby and spend a couple of hundred dollars and get the plaques that say scripture and post them all over your house. That's between you and him. <laughs> Take me with you. <laughs> Obedience isn't about fear. Obedience is not about conviction. Obedience is not about obligation. Obedience is about love. My daughter obeys me because she loves me. Because she knows that I love her. And she knows that I will do anything for her. She knows. She already knows. But if she doesn't know who I am, how can she trust me? Forget obeying me. <clears throat> Forget obeying. The last scripture that I want us to look at is James 2. 17 through 20. It's another one of those sobering scriptures, Curtis. It's another one of those things that just, uh, it burns when you read it. It's true, but it's still difficult. This is what it says. Even so, faith, if it has no works, it's dead. Being by itself but someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith and I'll, uh, excuse me, show me your faith without the works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe and shudder. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? <laughs> I've said it before and I will say it again. Works will not save you at all. Never have, never will. There's only one thing that can die on the cross for you, and it's not a church, it's not a Bible, it's not baptism, it's not communion, it's not church attendance. There's one guy that died on the cross, and he's the only way you get salvation, and you put your faith in him. That's what he said. And let me be real clear. He also told us in John 14, 6, no man comes to the Father except through me. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. That's it. That's it. <clears throat> and I want to ask you today, observe your faith right now in your mind. Think about how, this is the way that I explained it to a, a group of people a couple weeks ago. <clears throat> faith is like seeds. You get the seeds from God, and God's the one that plants them. All you do is say yes. When the faith grows, 
and starts producing fruit, whether it's fruit of the Spirit, whether it's serving like Jesus said to serve through your spiritual gifts. It always shocks me how many people don't even know their spiritual gifts. I'm like, is that not the way that you're supposed to obey Christ in the church is serving through those things? When was the last time that, that you served? When was the last time that you walked up to Travis or Allison or Josh or Dawn or Terry or Jeff and said, where can I help you? Where can I serve? <clears throat> I saw Dawn's light on in her office yesterday afternoon and I always growl when I see her on Saturdays. I love her, but I don't want to see her on Saturdays. I want her at home snuggling up to her husband, the stud muffin that he is. He's <laughs> one of my favorite people in the world. I don't want her up here working on a Saturday. I want her home, enjoying her home and her husband and the kid that's not frustrating you at the moment. <laughs> you know, Ethan, probably. Let's be honest. But I walked up to her and I said, hey, what can I do to help you so you can leave earlier? She said, would you staple the, the bulletins, the, the devotionals in the bulletin? I said, yes. And I went to my house and I stapled them. I'm not doing it to brag on me. I don't care about getting. What I'm trying to get you to see is there's people like Dawn that they need you. They need you. They need you to serve and encourage and love. You know that all the teaching spots in the children's ministry are already filled up. We don't need any teachers. That's right, isn't it, Jeff? Me and you and Big Al and Al. We don't need any more teachers, do we? We need people that will play. People that will rock babies. People that will do crafts. We need people that'll hang out with youth and play and pray and just be an older brother or sister in Christ that just hangs out with them. You know? But we also need every single one of us who believe in Jesus, every single one of us, we have to be leaving these doors and telling people about him. I don't care if that's in your home when you disciple your children. <clears throat> can, I, can I get on a soapbox for just a second? Your children's dance recital tape and their batting average has nothing to do with importance in 500 years from now. Ask yourself the question, am I more encouraged Am I more encouraging my kids in extracurricular activities or reading and studying Scripture? And then I challenge you. Count up how many hours you spend in a dance recital hall or a court or a field. And then count up how many hours you spend going through Scripture with your kids. At home. Before they go to bed. If our allegiance is to the king, we must show our children that allegiance 
is to our king. Not stepping on anybody's toes. I'm just asking us, let's review our lives and see, are we putting our faith in the Lord? Does he have our allegiance? Are we trusting in the Lord? Are we obeying the Lord? <clears throat> are we worshiping with everything we have? We had a beautiful conversation in equipping class today because ours is about worship. And so we were talking about what is the easiest way to connect with the Lord in worship and what's the, the hardest way to connect with the Lord in worship. And I love the honesty in that moment. Man, Leanne, we had a great discussion, didn't we? But it was honest. It was like, hey, I grew up, I grew up like this or this. Raising my hands is, is difficult. Hey, I, quietness is, is difficult. Or hey, singing or whatever it was. But are we letting our light shine before all men that they can see our good works and, and glorify our Father in heaven? Are we sharing? Are we being a light at work? Are we being a light in our home? Trusting in the Lord means when things don't work right, we still trust in Him. And we don't blame him. we got to get over that as a church. Not just South Point, but the church. When something goes wrong, one of the things that you talked about this morning that you, that you love about God is his, uh, his sovereignty, right? Well, that means that he's sovereign and he's in charge. And when something happens that we don't like, we still get behind him. We have to have more than knowledge and action. We have to have allegiance. You see, when Jesus told us to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, Paul was telling us that means that Caesar is not. That means that there's nothing else that is your Lord other than Jesus. The President of the United States is not your Lord. COVID is not your Lord. Money is not your Lord. Your work is not your Lord. What society says is good or bad is not your Lord. Social media, not your Lord. If our faith is to be put in Christ, our allegiance is to be put in Christ, and our full trust is to be put in Christ, and that will lead us to obedience. Let's pray. Father in heaven, today we celebrate Mary's faith and her obedience and her trust in you, Lord. And I thank you that you've given us this story that's recorded in Scripture. Of this beautiful teenage girl that you found favor with. And you allowed her to birth the Messiah. That's beautiful. Jesus, I thank you for that story. I thank you for that, for that testimony of faith. Father, I pray that if there is anyone, anyone, any age, any gender, any background in church or not, 
that you're starting to stir in their heart, Father, that they don't know you that way. They know about you. They grew up learning about you. And <clears throat> they've attended church all their lives. And they've gone on mission trips. And they taught Sunday schools and the whole nine yards. But, but you don't have their allegiance. I pray, Father, that if there's anyone in this room that is there in that situation of not knowing you and not trusting you, that today would be the day of their salvation. That today would be the first day of their lives. Father, if there's anybody in here that, that might have grown in church all their life and everyone around them might think that they are a Christian, but they realize today that, you know what, I'm not. Because I've never turned over my allegiance to Christ. I, I, I know about Him. But I've never, I've never bowed the knee to the name of Jesus and trust Him and believe in my heart. That he did raise from the grave. Even though others might have thought. Well I thought they were a believer in Christ. But they know that they're not. Father I pray that you would keep the enemy. From messing with them. And feeling shame about that. Better is a moment of shame. And an eternity of salvation. Than a lifetime of fraud. And an eternity in hell. And Father, if there's anybody here today that does know you and their allegiance lies within you and they do trust you, but maybe their obedience hasn't, maybe it hasn't been running. Maybe it's been broken down in the front yard as an eyesore. And they just haven't been serving you because maybe it's been hard to trust you. Maybe they have questions or maybe they have anger <coughs> or doubt or whatever it is, Father. I pray that you would draw them close to you again in your massively loving and strong arms. And rekindle the fire within them that is your presence and your love and your mercy. That they would be revived in obeying you and loving you and serving you and loving others and serving them and letting their light shine in this world so that others may see that light and glorify you, Father. I ask all these things in the name of Christ our King. Amen.